Welcome to Drive Time Marketing. This is where we talk to marketers about what they're doing today to drive results. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M Partners. All the tools, resources, and flexibility of a big agency, all the attention and creativity of a boutique shop. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Drive Time Marketing, tips, tricks, and tools to bring your marketing to new and great destinations. I'm Julia Carcamo, and with me is my co-host, Amy Hudson. Hi, Amy. Hi. I'm super excited about uh, getting our first podcast recording under our belts, and uh, I'm very pleased also to have an opportunity to talk with Jim about his experiences in transition. I think it's going to be pretty great. Oh, well, I, you know, you, you beat me to it. I was going to say, I think you're going to like today's guest. Um, Jim White is with Symphony Post Acute Network, and he's going to talk to us about customer service and the guest experience, something the three of us um, know is important to driving revenue or sales, depending on your industry. Um, good morning, Jim, and welcome. Good morning, Julia, and good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for that lovely comment. Uh, I'm thrilled, and I was honored to be asked to be your first guest. So uh, thank you so much. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Symphony. Well, uh, Symphony Post-Acute is a uh, subacute uh, short-term rehabilitation process by which people that have some level of acuity in the hospital that need rehab they come to one of our buildings just after. Uh, typically, most people are there somewhere between a week and no more than 100 days because it's typically done through the Medicare process. But we have a, a mix of buildings. We have uh, the traditional, what you used to call nursing home type buildings. And then uh, over the last year or so, we have um, opened up and transitioned a few buildings to what we are calling medical resources sorts, which are buildings that have hotel-like amenities and services, and um, Symphony hired me to actually uh, come into the company and put together a hospitality-like environment since uh, my background prior to being here for the last two and a half years was 26 years in casino gaming. So uh, they really, uh, I'd have to say they stalked me, that's a true statement, and uh, <laughs> They, uh, they would not give up until they found that right person. They thought it was me, thankfully, but here I am. So, um, you know, as, as you both know, uh, 26 years casino gaming, 19 in a building environment, and then seven years in the corporate environment, which really aided me in transitioning here because I work in the corporate environment here as well. So, so you know, you, you really seldom think about customer service and, and the guest experience in a, in a healthcare situation. In fact, I mean, I dare say most people have, have a tendency to have bad experiences when they are dealing with healthcare, whether it's just because they're ill or just simply um, because they're, you know, waiting in a doctor's office or, you know, several reasons why they just, they think that's, you know, just a terrible thing. So how, you know, how is it that Symphony came about thinking, let's think about how we provide that experience differently? Well, it's funny that you would say that because I know that you both are very, very familiar with the fact that most people will either share the very good or the very bad. And, you know, 90% of your um, public image comes from the people who won't say either and just leave and, you know, tell everybody what happened. So, uh, you know, Symphony recognized that and they knew what you said was true. Uh, people get disenchanted with sitting and waiting or having bad experiences. And, you know, in this environment, most of our population are 65 plus. And although it's gone a little younger these last few years, you know, people are dealing with their parent or their significant other who is at a senior age. And they really don't always take um, 
any consideration a diagnosis or a progression of illness, and that makes it hard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the main difference between where I was and where I am is really, I would say, intent. You know, you guys both know that hospitality-like environments are all about customer service, and customer service ensures repeat visitation, which fuels everything else. In a clinical environment, believe it or not, well, I'm sure you would believe it, but in a clinical environment, uh, the driving force is a great clinical outcome. And the hardest thing for me was to get the nursing teams, and forgive me, this, I don't mean this negatively, but nurses are not friendly. They're all about care. You know what I mean? So trying to get the clinical element of our buildings to understand, you can have a great customer experience as well as a phenomenal clinical outcome, you know, just deliver your care with a smile on your face and a positive attitude. And uh, I spent the better part of the last two years kind of pounding that message in. And, you know, we transitioned our company into uh, that whole net promoter metric, which is not used in healthcare. And uh, I'm really happy to say, not that we're talking about results, but in the two and a half years that we that I've been here, we've gone from having a net promoter score a little under what they would consider the mid-scale hotel level into a net promoter score that has surpassed what the luxury segment typically boasts of. So how did you do that? I mean, how did you come into this environment and, and create this different kind of experience? Well, I know you're going to hate me saying this, but I had a great uh, partner when I was at my last company, and she taught me a whole lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm talking about you, Julia. You knew that. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a great partner, and, uh, you know, together at my last company, which we were at together, you know, we really conquered the world there in many different ways. And, you know, learning that and, and applying those same principles and techniques and, you know, the right training message and uh, a, a decent, because healthcare is cheap, a decent recognition and rewards program. I actually created a trophy here where the buildings compete against getting that trophy based on monthly results. And finally, um, the most significant thing, which I know that you know as well, Amy, is you have to have buy-in from the top because if the owner and CEO of this company didn't believe in what I was doing, I know that I am a peripheral tool of the management team. And if things got tough, I know I'm the first one to go. So if he believes in what I'm doing, um, which he does, thankfully, that message gets out to all the buildings. And then, you know, at the local level, we have administrators, which would be the equivalent of a GM in a, ho in a hotel business. But we have administrators who have to drive that message in their buildings. And I have to really forge a great partnership with them to get anywhere. But I mean, it's really just staying the course, having the right message and a great set of partners that you can work with. Um, Jim, I'm curious to know what what specific player development type concepts, because I mean, that's, that's your background as well as mine. You know, you're obviously not having your staff, you know, make a bunch of phone calls from a list of former patients or um, sending out a bunch of direct mail pieces to folks who might need uh, some sort of acute follow-up care. So which, which of the principles just seemed natural to you? What did you implement first? Well, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say from your repertoire of player development skills and strategies, you obviously walked into this with some game plan having been courted. So what, what, did, what just was natural to you to implement from your gaming background? 
Well, you know, Amy, this, that's a great question, too. And the single biggest element of what I brought to the table is the whole concept of building relationships. Because you know what? Uh, in this environment, one of the main things that happens also is, you know, nursing homes and skilled nursing centers, they get sued often can and joint uh, jointly with the hospitals that people were sent here from. And, you know, the whole concept of people don't typically sue people that they like, you know, implies that whole relationship building aspect. So I would say teaching people to build those meaningful relationships is number one. Number two, um, not in a player development way, but I've actually had the ability to put a director level, director of customer experience in every building. And that person also acts like, you know, the buildings, you know, customer service guru or player development rep. And, you know, contrary to what you just said, uh, those things that we do there are similar. So, you know, somebody's in the building and they go out to the hospital, the, the director of experience, they do a hospital follow-up call to the family. Hey, how's your loved one? We were just calling to see how they are. Um, three days post-discharge, they start making a call or two to the home. Hey, you're home now. How did your transition go? Because we have a significant number based on the age population of significant repeat uh, visitors. We call them guests, of course, but, you know, um, and that was something I instituted here as well. You know, we have long-term residents, but you need to talk about your short-term people as being guests, you know, and a guest is somebody that you go over and above for, you build a relationship with, you want to get them to feel good about what's there because feeling good trans uh, transpires into, you know, great recommendations, positive word of mouth and all those things. But believe it or not, many, many of the concepts that I practiced and taught when I was in the casinos, specifically dealing with player development people, are sales-based telephone calls, yeah. we don't do mailers, but, you know, um, other than sending mailers out, I mean, that whole interactive piece with being on the phone and building relationships and, you know, doing those things, you know, I started a program regarding, we call it medical records mitigation so that people uh, that might be more likely to sue based on some of the factors that we figured out might be um, dissuaded away because I put a relationship building professional in contact with them, somebody that would be their contact in the building, somebody that could really focus on correcting everything that they saw going wrong. So that is no different than a player development person because you all know in a casino, somebody doesn't know what to do with somebody, you send them to the casino host. <laughs> and you know what? That's, sure. the same, that's the same thing that happens here. Somebody doesn't know what they want to do with somebody, oh, call the director of customer experience. So it's, I, I can't get away from it. <laughs> well, it's interesting that there are those parallels, uh, particularly that your director of customer experience is the one who fields those complaints no one else knows what to do with. Um, it's, it's, it's gratifying to know that it's not just within the player development world in the casino industry that that relationship building is such a key. Uh, I guess I hadn't really considered the fact that you do have an awful lot of repeat customers there and that relationship building would bring those guests back to you as opposed to wherever the hospital may be inclined to send them if that is someplace else, that they would say, no, I want to go to Symphony because well, they really treat me well there. That's true. And especially in Chicago, there is lots of competition 
and other uh, rehabilitation places that somebody should go to. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work for a family-owned business like I had when we first started at the aisle, but um, a family-owned business that actually not only cares about what they're doing, but fortunately has a good name and a fabulous reputation, which gets us a lot further here as well. You know, people that want to work, they, they tend to want to come and work for Symphony. And uh, just going back for a second, that person that we put in the building that's a director of customer experience, we don't hire healthcare people. I hire people with my background. I look for hospitality professionals, uh, shift supervisors from Starbucks. They make great you know, customer experience people. But I look for somebody that's not afraid to work the weekends, and that's not healthcare people. They want to all be off. Um, but I, I look for people that aren't afraid to work, that know that the weekends are part of the package, and that understand the service mentality such as I do. And typically, they are people, 90% of my team were concierges at a hotel downtown Chicago. And they make great directors of customer experience. That's really well, interesting that you, you saw that bridge between hospitality and healthcare. Yeah, it actually has worked out really well. And, you know, I don't post ads when I have an opening. Um, I go on to LinkedIn as just as I was recruited, the LinkedIn stalker they used to call my boss. Um, I go on to LinkedIn and I do targeted searches based on those profiles I just mentioned. I whittle it down based on looking at profiles and then I invite people to talk to me. And from there, I put them in front of administrators who I think they'd be a match with because, again, have to build great relationships with my administrators and kind of know what they're looking for, how their personality works, and who's going to be a good match. And if I find a great candidate, I've sent, I, there was one girl I sent to like six different administrators before I found the right one for her. But, you know, it's a hand-picked process. It's not a mass can't do it in masks. You have to, an ad never yields the right background because mm. you set, you put an ad out there, you get 35 or 40 resumes from a healthcare professional. And that's not what I want. Um, the, the question now that, that occurs to me and Julia actually uh, had, had planted this thought. So if you, were to switch back, let's say you went to your first love and uh, Symphony has this program that you've put into place and it's working beautifully and they're retaining repeat guests and having great clinical outcomes and the service is phenomenal and you decided you were going to go back to gaming, what would you bring with you from your experience at Symphony? Jim? It would appear that he has frozen up on us. He has. Uh, I'm going to talk to you real quickly. Oh, no. There he is. I'm so sorry. So the last thing I heard, Amy, was if I went back to my first love, Yes, if you went, if you took your experience from Symphony, you put this program into place, they've got great clinical outcomes, fantastic net promoter scores, their uh, clients are coming back and being guests with them again as the need arises, and you said, well, I've done all I can do here, I'm going to go back to gaming. What would you bring from your Symphony experience back to the gaming world? Wow, that's a great question. Um... 
Sam Julia. Um, here's what I would say. Ultimately, as I told you, um, the only fundamental difference between where I was and where I am is customer intention. Meaning, in the hospitality industry, they want to be there. They want to be sitting there smoking their cigarettes, drinking their drinks, hitting their slot machine button. And uh, here, the last place they want to be is in a skilled nursing center. So, you know, once, once you get your employees to understand, they have to overcome all of the I don't want to be here before they can start on a great experience, it becomes the same game. So what would I bring? Honestly, I, I always thought that I was a very compassionate, understanding, and connected person. And, you know, I always felt my people skills were pretty much spot on as well. But I think that if anything else, I bring back with me a heightened level of compassion with how to deal with people in a way um, that makes me, I think, a better communicator in some ways. I, I do think that that is really true. But um, other than that, uh, I, the other thing, and you guys will laugh because of the different companies you've all worked for, I guess the other thing would be how to be a lot more thrifty. Because, you know, as much as I love the ownership of my company, they're cheap. And I don't mean that negatively, Okay. We have, to be, we have to be very scrutinizing of our expenses because our business is funded by insurance and most of it is governmental insurance and they delay payment sometimes between 90 and 120 days. So the receivables of our business sometimes um, take a while to come in and we have to float ourselves along the way. And yes, after you get going, that float catches up with you. But because of that, um, the budgeting process here is very lean. You know, I, I'm one person and I support 30 buildings. I should have help, okay, but I don't. I'm a one-man show. So, you know, we've talked about adding somebody to assist me, but, you know, until the company's in a growth mode, until we get a little bit bigger, you know, I still got to do it myself, which I'm not unhappy with. I would rather own the message, but, you know, I think a level of compassion, a heightened awareness of, you know, financials and budgeting and doing more with less, uh, all things that actually align themselves with where I came from. Mm. So I think it's, um, you know, you mentioned early on in our discussion that you were um, partially Medicare funded, which I find really interesting because I wouldn't expect an organization that depends on funding from a third resource like that to be concentrating on making the experience better. And so that's, you know, kudos to Symphony for that. Well, again, people have a choice. So, you know, having them choose us to spend their Medicare dollars um, is the key. We want them to choose us. And the way to get them to choose you is to put things out there that no one else is doing. Like we talked about, um, you know, the whole process regarding our, our TAN medical resorts. Those buildings have in heightened amenities. We have a chef instead of a dietary manager preparing all the food. Those buildings actually have the We Proudly Serve Starbucks programs. And uh, we have that cafe in the building, that increased experience. You know, the, the dining rooms aren't just dining rooms for people. We are restaurant-quality food that people, families can go in and pay for. Um, the rooms are very beautiful. I, so that level is raised in those buildings. And if anything, those buildings with the exception of them being, you know, rehabilitation facilities, you know, you walk into our, one of our brand new buildings in Indiana, it looks like a hotel. It's absolutely beautiful. Nice. People say that actually when they walk in there. So you put customer experience.
experience first. You've, you've, I mean, obviously, it's an acute care situation where people have short or long-term rehabilitation needs. But in a, in a world where we talk an awful lot about customer focus and customer-centric business practices, this really is exactly what Symphony's done. You've taken that experience and turned it into a positive, even though the context for it is not always. Um, yeah, honestly, that, that the hardest message for me with our buildings is that the clinical experience is always going to be the most important thing we do. We're playing with people's lives. Somebody makes a mistake, it could kill somebody. And you know what? The perception of that sometimes is actually what happens. Somebody doesn't accept the situation that their parent or loved one is in. They're really, really in a grave situation. And uh, something happens in the building. They get sent out to the hospital. They subsequently, forgive me, pass away. And then it's our fault. So, you know, clinical has to be the first thing. But again, you can have a great clinical outcome with a fabulous experience attached to it. And that's where I come alongside of the building to make sure that that's what they're doing. Right. So, I, you know, unfortunately, it looks like we've gotten to the end of our allotted time. Um, Jim, thank you. And we hope that you will join us again. I've been having so much fun. Um, but before we leave, I want to ask you to give our listeners one tip, trick, or tool that they could or should implement immediately. Um, here's what I will say. Uh, you have to be acutely aware, and I don't mean to use that word as a pun since I work in an acute care environment, but you have to, you have to be acutely aware of the perception of service that you're given. Um, it doesn't matter how great you think you are with the service that you're given, um, giving. You have to be aware of how that service is being received because ultimately, doesn't matter. It's their perception that not only matters, but that's what's going to fuel comments, recommendations, and repeat visitation. That is a great tip. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you so much for your time today, Jim. And uh, that, that last little parting shot was super spectacular. I hope everybody who hears it puts that into practice right away. All right. Join well, us again. next time for Drive Time Marketing. Thanks for joining us on Drive Time Marketing. To leave us a review, visit our website at jparkmoassociates.com slash drive time dash marketing dash podcasts. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M Partners, practicing the science of why. Why walking through your doors is completely different than walking through your competitor's door. Find out more about M Partners at mpartners.com. Until next time, keep driving with great marketing. <laughs>